If you have your Bibles, open it to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to begin a series called A Better Life as we go through the Beatitudes of Jesus. And I almost wanted to start with the second one today just because it deals with blessed are those who mourn. And again, I know that this is a time that can be difficult for those who have lost. But what I want to do is kind of pick up where we left off last week. Last week, we talked about the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God was not something that we go to when we die, that Jesus said it is at hand, it is something that we can handle, it is near. In Luke, it actually says, the kingdom of God is within you. We talked about being a child and the childlike faith and trust and dependency that we need for the kingdom of heaven belongs to that. And we saw how children have a way of understanding that we could actually learn from in so many ways. And saw how the kingdom of heaven is being ushered in through God's people as Jesus sent the 72 out and they came back and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. As they did the work of God, the kingdom of heaven was being ushered out. And here in in Matthew chapter 5, we are coming to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's called the disciples. He's called Andrew, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, Peter, as we know it, his brother Andrew, Nathaniel, all of them. He's called them, and they're, they're now following them. And he's gone through Syria at this point, we know from the other Gospels, and he started to do miraculous things. They've gone from gutting fish to seeing a man who was lame, healed, a person who was blind, able to see. And their world is just being turned upside down. Imagine following this man and seeing these things. You'd be thinking, oh my gosh, what is happening? This is the one. This is the Messiah. And when they hear the word kingdom, they have in their mind what we would have in our minds of someone, oh, he's going to establish his kingdom. Well, how do you establish a kingdom? Well, you're going to overthrow the oppressive Roman government and you're going to lead like kings lead. You're going to reign, but you're going to do a better job because you're the one. You're the Messiah. And so... As they're seeing these things, their hearts are are lifting up with anticipation of what's going to happen as they're following this man who's doing things that no man has ever done before. And they're besides themselves. And as he starts to now tell them what his kingdom is going to look like, I think we're going to find his words a little startling to us and probably even more so to them. And in chapter 5, Starting at verse 1, we'll go through and read these Beatitudes through verse 12. Now, when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek 
for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There are so many things that jump out in this list, and we're going to take them one at a time in the weeks to come. But the way Jesus starts off and presenting his kingdom, you know, if I was his marketing manager, I I would have said, you know, this isn't the best way to start things. You don't want to start on a low. You want to start on a high. And when you say, blessed are the poor, dot, 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 really, once you hear that word poor, you kind of, in spirit, whatever, poverty is not something we run to. It's something we run away from. It's not something we say, oh boy, you know, I wake up in the morning and say, Lord, give me some poverty today. You know, we wake up and say, oh God, help us make ends meet, you know, pay the bills, Lord, bring work, do something. We don't seek poverty, we seek to get away from poverty. Because poverty in its definition is a lack. And when is having a lack of something good? And so as he tells them, blessed are the poor in spirit. Once they hear that word poor, and they're thinking, poor in spirit. And and then he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm sure he chose his words carefully. He didn't say they will have a part of the kingdom of heaven, or they will have a great place in the kingdom of heaven. He says, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And he's giving this dichotomy that's making you wonder, poor and it belongs to them? How does that work? That's not how I'm used to thinking of a kingdom. And why would poverty be a good thing? Most of us have not experienced poverty. I mean, we've experienced perhaps to some extent where we have a hard time making ends meet. Maybe we lose a car, we lose a house. We've experienced those kinds of things. But most of us have not gone through extreme poverty. But we've probably seen it to some degree, and it's not something that we enjoy or that we see any beauty in. I remember when I was in fourth grade, when I'd go to school, there was this giant asphalt playground. It was in Hollywood area. There was no grass at the school. It was all asphalt and cement. And it was before school started. We used to get there, and we would start playing tag all throughout the the playground. And, And the guys would chase the girls. The girls would chase the guys. You know, it was kind of that's the kind of thing you did in fourth grade. And I remember there's this one girl named Elizabeth. And I thought Elizabeth was 
cool. I thought she was kind of cute. She's kind of a funky hippie chick, if you can be that for nine years old. You know, at least that's what I thought of her. And I remember playing tag, and all of a sudden this guy named Brad, as she was playing tag, Brad said, get away from me. You're poor and dirty. And all of a sudden, I noticed that Elizabeth's clothes were tattered and kind of dirty, not because she was a cool hippie chick, but because she didn't have. And as I remember that, my eyes were opened in a way that they had innocently been blinded before. And I saw that Elizabeth indeed was lacking in that area, that her, her pants were kind of torn up and dirty, and so was her shirt, and her hair was a little messed up. And I, I, I'd never seen that before, but what I remember most of all was her expression. When Brad called her out, and she was embarrassed. And it's vivid in my mind. And I remember thinking, what can I do? I always thought she was nice. I, I, I liked her. I was kind of attracted to her. And I was thinking, what's, what, what's going on? And it, it made me think differently. But you see, poverty does that. It, it embarrasses us. It shows us where we are in need. It shows us those areas that we are lacking. And when Jesus starts off and tells them, blessed are the poor in spirit, their minds go to that place of that person who is lacking, that person who is in need, that person who is deficient in that way. And it would be a startling, eye-opening awareness that he's talking about something different. Just as my eyes were opened when he said, you're poor and dirty, and I never saw her that way, poor in spirit is, is to catch their attention, to open their eyes in a way that they hadn't seen before. And no doubt they were taken aback as they saw that. And as he goes through the list of these things, I mean, he's presenting the kingdom of heaven, and he's saying that this list... It, the kingdom of heaven belongs to them, that they will be called the sons of God, that they shall see God, that they will inherit the earth. He, he's telling them this belongs to these people, but then he starts off in this way dealing with poverty. And then he says, poor in spirit. And, and then we have to try and understand, well, if the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are poor in spirit, we need to try and find out what poor in spirit looks like. What does he mean, the poor in spirit? And sometimes the way we can tell what something looks like is by telling what it doesn't look like. In other words, if we can get the contrast, maybe we can help see what it means to be in poor in spirit. And so I was thinking of some things that kind of capture what it means not to be poor in spirit. One time I was driving, and I won't tell you what city it was, but it's just east of L.A. And I was driving there, and I was going to a client's shop that was there in this industrial area east of L.A. And I came up to this stop sign, and it was a four-way stop, and I pulled up to this stop sign, 
And this other car was coming, and they had a stop sign too. And so I figured, okay, I stopped. They have to stop. I started to drive through, and they just ran through the stop sign. Almost hit me. I had to slam on my brakes. And I was just like... And as I'm doing this, the guy looks at me. His car was lowered. It, it didn't have... It was a convertible. And he stops, and he slows down, and he throws me this look. Like, what's your problem? I was like, I'll tell you my problem. <laughs> I, I, I stopped at my stop sign. You didn't stop at yours. That's the problem. And he looked at me until I realized my life was in danger and I needed to look away. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, you, you win, mister, you know. I'll, you may pass, you know. <laughs> But I'll tell you what was going on inside of me. I wanted to reach under the seat and pull out an Uzi. I didn't have one, but that's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to put him in his place. I wanted to say, yo, man, don't mess with me. You know, no one does this to me. Who do you think you are? And you see, as he was going through that stop sign, just saying, I have the right to be here and to do what I want. I am the prince of East L.A. I mean, Los Angeles East, you know. I, I have a right to be here. Everything inside of me just said, I have the right to. I wanted to assert myself. It was just like bubbling. I was so furious. Why? Because... Who does he think he is? He thinks he owns this place. And you see, that's what poor in spirit doesn't look like. I have the right to be here. That attitude. And, and you see, that's basically how we are encouraged to be in the world, to assert ourselves. I mean, if you're in sports and you're playing, you have to be assertive. If someone's coming in, you know, to, to make a layup, you've got to get in their way. You've got to block them. You don't say, oh, you may pass. You know, go ahead. You won't be on the floor very long. And in business, you have to be assertive. You have to kind of put yourself out there. You have to take your own. You have to do that. that that's really kind of how we're thought of. But you see... If you come before God and you have the attitude, you know, I have a right to be here. And you're going to come to God and let him know why he needs you. Why you deserve to be a part of his kingdom. Well, if you have that attitude, it's going to be a real bad day for you. When you stand before him with what you have to offer. You see, because between you and me, you might have a lot to offer. I may have to stop at the stop sign and let you pass because, you know, you have more authority in that realm than me. Or I might have to, you know, concede that, you know, you're better at this than I am. You can do that better than me. And, and you know, that's fine. But when you come before God, that's not the case. There, there is nothing that we have that we can say to God, I have a right to be here. 
And so what is needed is a bankruptcy of that attitude. There needs to be the opposite of that, I have the right to be here, I own this place. There has to be the attitude, I don't belong here. You see, because how we connect to God is going to determine if he is going to give this kingdom to us. He is not going to give the kingdom to those who feel that they have a right to rule and be an authority. And that's what they were used to in the religious sense. In fact, you can get a a glimpse of this. Turn to Luke chapter 18. Jesus gives a parable of this. Starting at verse 10. To verse 9, actually, let's start there. To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody, get the picture? The ones who could drive through the stop signs, think they own the city. Jesus told this parable. The people he was talking to were the religious leaders. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. I love that. What what else is there to talk about but me? God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. He who humbles himself. He who goes before God and says, I don't have a right to be here. God says, I'm going to give the kingdom to you. That's the spirit I am looking for. The one who is poor in spirit. The one who sees the the need in their lives. The one who sees the bankruptcy, the moral corruption, the one who recognizes that I am not worthy to get to heaven. I I don't belong here. God says, I'm going to give this to you. And, And I love this picture because so many times I know people feel like, well, I can't go to church. You don't know who I am. You don't know the things that I've done. I can't go to church. And I just think of this and it's like, no, you don't understand if you will come with that attitude to God, he will give you his kingdom. And I think that's what Paul meant in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when he says, I am crucified with Christ. And what he's saying is, I have come to the end of me. I have died to myself. I have humbled myself. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In other words, when I've given up my life, I've been given God's life. 
But it's not me who lives, but Christ in me. In the life I now live, I live to the glory of the Son of God. And it's this incredible exchange that if, if we will come to God with our brokenness, then he will give to us his healing. If we will come to God with our sinfulness, he will give us his righteousness. If we will come to God with our emptiness, he will fill us with his abundance. And you're blessed. The word blessed, it's not a word we use, except for when someone sneezes, maybe. It's not something that we're, we're used to. And, and it's hard to translate over into something we fully understand, and that's why we just use the word blessed. Some translations, you know, say happy, but that falls short, especially in the next verse when he says, oh, how happy are those who mourn. Talk about schizophrenia. What, what is that? But the idea of blessed is that you're where you need to be, that things are good, that things are right. And you're blessed if you are impoverished in spirit. If you come to the end of yourself and say, I have nothing I can offer you, God. He says, then I will give you the kingdom. It belongs to you. Because God is only going to trust his kingdom with those who are poor in spirit. He's only going to give it to them. It, it is theirs. Because those who are poor in spirit recognize that it is not I who live, but it's Christ in me. They're the ones who have come to the end of themselves. And then they have the starting point with God. How do we know if we are poor in spirit? Because that's the important thing. How, how do we know if, if we've got the right attitude with God? How do you feel when someone tells you you're wrong? that you need to be forgiven. Are you at a stop sign and someone's crossing? Don't tell me that. Don't tell me I've got to be forgiven. Who are you to talk to me? What about your sin, huh? 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 You get this attitude, get all self-righteous with me. I don't know why the head does that, you know. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Do you get an attitude when someone points out your poverty? Do you compare yourself? Because know this, once you compare yourself, then pride is involved. Pride of who you are. And that's not poverty of spirit. Or when someone talks to you about the, the lack in your life, are you like Elizabeth? like the tax collector and are embarrassed and are broken. Because if that happens, then you're poor in spirit. Then God says, yes. You see things clearly and I can trust you with my kingdom. I give it to you. 
And what a, a beautiful way to run a kingdom. To give it to those who are humble. And God exalts them. But those who are exalted, God says, no. You're not going to be a part of this kingdom. For my kingdom, it belongs to those who are poor in spirit. Those who recognize their bankruptcy. Those who recognize their need for me. That's who I'm going to give it to. Not to you. And, and so we need to seek this poverty of spirit. We, we need to actually see it. Because whether we realize it or not, it's there. We're, we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same need. We are, are all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, Paul tells us. And if we don't see that, we won't seek to get out of it. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I've not call, come to call the righteous, but sinners to the repentance. And if you say, well, you know what? I don't need that. Well, then, okay, you don't. Jesus didn't die for you. But if there is a time in your life where you do need that, well, guess what? Then he did die for you. And... Hopefully, sooner rather than later, we will come to the place where we recognize, I need help. I need you to fill in my lack. I need to get rid of this attitude, and I need to depend on you. And there is such freedom when we are truthful to God and to ourselves. When we stop trying to put up the front of we've got it all together and we cry out and we say, I need help. God, can you help me? I want you to be a part of my life in this area. You know, one of the things that happens in marriages is pride becomes involved with both the husband and the wife, where, you know, if I admit that I need help or that I'm wrong, then she's going to have the advantage, and then I'm going to have the disadvantage. And again, we're trying to, to put ourselves up so that we have that advantage in the relationship. And I don't want to admit that. You know, I can do this on my own. Hey, I'm fine. You know, we're just going to move forward. I, 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 have, I, have, I know what I'm doing. I'm a good guy. I, I can make this work. I can do this. I'll just take care of this. I'll, you know, make some adjustments. I'll stop, you know, drinking so much. I'll stop doing this so much. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I can go over there. And we, we try and put a Band-Aid on a broken leg, and we wonder why I still can't walk. I still can't walk. And we keep trying to move forward until we recognize, you know what? There's something wrong. There's something wrong. This isn't going to work. When I was younger... Uh, I think I was about 10 years old. I, I was playing basketball in my backyard. We had a hill, but it wasn't really basketball because I had a baseball bat involved with it. And, and I would 
hit the basketball up the hill and it would go up, way up on the ivy and then it would come rolling down. And then when it would bounce down, I'd try and hit it again with the, the bat as board or something. Anyway, I was doing this and it got stuck up in the ivy. And so I, I, I went up there and then I knocked it down off the hill and it started rolling down the hill and then it started rolling down my driveway and we lived on a hill. So if it got down the driveway, it would roll down the hill. So my basketball had to go after it. So I jumped and when I jumped, I landed half on a brick and half not on a brick with my left ankle. And so it went, ah, tweaked me, and I started running after my basketball because that's my basketball. And then all of a sudden I was like, ah, ah. And I, and I thought, man, something happened. And i hobbling down there, and I, I couldn't run. I couldn't do it. In fact, the neighbor, she says, everything okay? I said, my basketball, you know, it's going down the hill. <laughs> and... And so she drove me down, and it got stuck by a car, and I picked it up, and I said, thank you, and she drove me back, and I was like, man, something's going on, and I, I got into the bathroom, and I took my shoe off, and I took my sock off, and my ankle was like this big, and I was like, oh, that's not right. <laughs> and you see, at first I tried to walk it off. I thought, no, it's okay. I, I just, you know, I twist it a little, shake it off, but it was broken, and I couldn't walk on it. And if we don't realize the brokenness of our lives, we will never realize that we can't really walk. We will hobble through our lives thinking we're okay. Thinking, I'm all right, I got it together. It's not, it's not fun. It's fine, it's fine. No big deal. But when we see things clearly, we're going to say, I'm broken. This, this doesn't work. Something is wrong. Then you're poor in spirit. And that's when Jesus says, I have something great for you. I'll take that brokenness and I'll give you this instead. And it's a great exchange. And, and I pray all of us would be able to experience the fullness that God has. And all we have to give up is our poverty poverty and receive his riches. Amen. Let's pray. Father, it's a hard thing to ask for help. At least it's hard for me, Lord. And I know pride blinds us. It, it clouds our vision so that we don't see our condition clearly. We don't recognize our poverty. And we think it of weakness but in your eyes, it's actually a strength to see things truthfully, clearly. And if we would acknowledge that, then you would meet us there. And even as you've said, Lord, your kingdom belongs to those who are broken. I think of the disciples later arguing about Who's going to have what position in your kingdom 
wanting to be on your right hand, wanting to be in a position of authority. And that's when you brought the child and said, no, you have to be like this. You have to be dependent. And God, I pray that this morning we would be dependent on you. Lord, that we'd be open to to what's happening and what you want to do within our lives. Lord, that none of us would be like that Pharisee, think ourselves better than someone else, thinking that we have the right to your kingdom, thinking I'm good enough. Lord, your kingdom belongs to those who are poor in spirit. May we recognize that and may we find the freedom in acknowledging that so that we can have this kingdom in our lives. I don't do this often, but I feel that there is a real burden on some of us here this morning that you're carrying guilt or you're hiding guilt and you're, you're trying to pull off that you're okay, but really you're poor. And you just need to own it. And though it's humbling and, and though it's a little embarrassing to admit it's necessary for healing to take place. And, and if you are in that position, I just want to pray for you. I'm not here to embarrass you, but I ask that you would just pray with me. Lord, you see my need. You see the areas that I struggle and fail. Father, you you know that I don't have a right to your kingdom. Father, I recognize that as well. And so I ask that you, Father, would take this poverty of spirit and give me your wealth that you would take this corruption within me and give me your righteousness. That you would clothe me with your righteousness. Father, I depend on you. I ask for forgiveness. I ask for mercy. I ask that you would let me in to your kingdom. That I would belong to you. And I ask this in Jesus' name.